Hello and welcome to Life of the School, episode 106. Hello, my name is Aaron Matthew, and I'm a biology teacher from Massachusetts, and this is my annual NABT preview episode. Uh, This is very exciting. We're getting ready for the NABT National Conference, which normally would be taking place in Baltimore, but because of our lockdown and our distancing, will take place virtually. This episode, I'm going to talk to the executive director of NABT, Jackie Reeves-Pebbin, along with John Darko, Paul Strode, and Tanea Hibbler. Hope you enjoy this NABT preview. All right, so we are joined by Jackie Reeves Pepin. Uh, welcome, Jackie. Thanks, Aaron. So, Jackie, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Although I think everybody knows who you are, but tell tell people who you are. Uh, I am the executive director of the National Association of Biology Teachers. Great. And and um, I always mess up. I always want to call you the president. And I'm like, no, no, the president is so-and-so. But I feel like, you know, executive director is something that um, it's hard to wrap your head around. But you're like the person who runs NABT. That's who, <laughs> that's how I think of it. <laughs> yes, I am the, um, the, the main staff person. Mm -hmm. So I'm like the CEO of NABT, where the president is elected by the organization and is a representative of our um, initiatives and um, of the community of NABT. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of a lot of great teachers who I've I've had the good fortune to know who are who are the president uh, and often on stage with you, um, but this year not on stage. So um, I wanted to bring you in and talk a little bit about the conference. And this is going to come out about a week before the conference, which uh, I for an online event, uh, this is the first online event that I've been super excited about <laughs> in the last nine months. So I, it's really exciting for me. Uh, but I wanted to start by talking a little bit about like the decision, because I, I imagine last spring it must have been terrible to try to figure out what to do because you were getting proposals in right when the pandemic hit. Um, and you made the decision back in June that this was going to be a fully remote conference. So do you want to talk a little bit about like the the thought process that went into making the switch from the conference where we all go to, to the, the online platform? Yeah, happy to. So as you mentioned, you know, this in March, we were accepting hundreds of proposals from our leading teachers. Um, and we didn't know um, what was happening, but we knew that what was happening to the extent if the pandemic was going to um, come out of some of the urban areas, but we knew that it was dangerous, but it made sense to us. All the the work had been done to continue to plan um, in early March, well, in late March, early April, we started to discuss having a hybrid event. I mean, one of the nice things about being a biologist um, myself is I I knew a lot earlier than some of our partner uh, organizations and fields outside of STEM that we should you know probably prepare for something uh, that was a very serious. So we started planning for a hybrid event, trying to make sure that we had a lot of options. 
Um, by the late spring, knowing that classes had uh, been canceled and had gone online, um, we knew that even in the best case scenario, it was going to be incredibly difficult for our community of educators to convene in November. Um, they would have maybe just returned to their classrooms. Um, state budgets had been decimated by mm. shutdowns that had, you know, <laughs> most state most state and public schools are run by public funding, obviously, and that funding has to come from tax revenue. And so we knew that there were going to be some um, real hurdles to convene our community outside of just safety. Um, mm. We're talking about, you know, a viral transmission here and you can't, you can't take that lightly. And so we knew that even with social distancing measures and masks and whatever the, the hotel was going to be working with, it just was not safe to convene our community. So as soon as we got the option to not meet in person, we took that because every one of our members is precious to us and we mm -hmm. did not want anybody to have to pick between NABT and, you know, seeing their families. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I will say as somebody who, you know, as a, you know, a middle-aged man with asthma, um, as, as the spring was rolling out, I was, you know, I, I was getting ready at that time. We, I think I had just come out of doing the remote AP read, um, which was obviously a major shift and the read and NABT conference are the two things that I say are the two parts of my calendar that are sort of the must professional development for me, um, at this point in my career. And I was, I will tell you personally, I was very relieved when you made the decision, like yes. that email that came out in late June was like, it was actually a load off my shoulders. Cause the idea that, Oh, this is something I can participate in and I can look forward to was a relief to me, even though it's sad that I'm not going to be in person with all of my friends. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's a, it's an e it was an easy decision to make, you know, we were, I, I have been personally wanting to, uh, explore hybridizing the NABT conference for years because I think it will help us reach biology teachers, you know, far away and get more people to realize how supportive our community is and how much they want to be part of it. So I, you know, I was really happy to be able to explore it, but it's an easy decision to make. And that, but we also made the decision to have an online conference because we thought it was very important that everybody get the chance to get that professional learning, to interact with their friends, to, um, you never know where inspiration is going to spark. So having the movie night, having these sessions, having scientists speak about their work, it's an NABT conference. It's absolutely in a different format. I'm, you know, not going to pretend that it's going to be the same, but we have to provide opportunities for biology and life science educators to recharge. That's, you know, what we do. And so we didn't want to say, hey, we're just going to come back in 2021. That's not what our community does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we, we've alluded to the organization. So, you know, I, let's say I'm a, I'm a teacher and I've, I've thought about it and, you know, honestly, every teacher I've talked to, um, I was just talking to, uh, you know, my, my work husband who, you know, Brian Dempsey, uh, who you've worked mm -hmm. with before, uh, cause we, we were talking earlier today as we were doing some planning and he, he says, hello, by the way. Um, <laughs> and he says, he was saying that like, he, he was just feeling so exhausted. And like, I mentioned NABT to him. He's like, Oh yeah, I have to figure out 
like how I'm going to do that or, you know, put in for the day. And, you know, we're a couple of weeks away now. And this is something that he would have figured out months ago, but we're so we're so strained and burned out. So now I'm getting I'm putting this in the ears of a couple of people who will listen to and may have slipped their slipped their mind. So I, I want to go to this NABT. How is it going to be organized this year if I'm a teacher who's attending? What, what is it going to look like from my perspective? Do you have a sense? Yes. So um, it's going, it's, we, we've built this beautiful, but virtual um, online platform that is going to have live sessions in an auditorium. So we have a great set of speakers. We have Ayana Elizabeth Johnson, who is a premier microbiologist and um, science communicator talking about um, climate change and social justice and marine biology. You might, you know, check out her TED talk. We've got Neil Lamb presenting um, the like top 10 biotechnology developments of 2020. And I promise they are not all COVID related. <laughs> um, we have got Chip Taylor talking about citizen science and Monarch Watch, which is actually, you know, an exemplar of a citizen mm. science project. So we have all of these great live speakers. Um, have I mentioned movie night? Uh, because yeah. we've, <laughs> we've got all, we've got a whole slot of sessions with H, our partners at HHMI. We have a movie night. So the movie will be available to registrants to watch on their own. So, you know, watch it from your own couch. And then we will have a live Q&A where people will be able to ask questions to the panelists. So we have those, but we also have about 50 hours of programming from our teacher leaders. So we have the same type of sessions that you'll see at NABT, except they're in a new format. And so we're using a model which is called pre-recorded live, where the presenters are recording themselves and then they're interacting with the audience via chat during their presentation, or in some cases, if it's an interactive session, the group will go to an interactive Zoom meeting that NEBT is going to be hosting for them. And so it's not a sit and get in the traditional sense is um, you will, you can interact with your peers. But the reason we're doing this is because it allows us to have all of this content then available on demand in a library. And that library is going to be live until February 3rd, 2021. So one of the things that, like you, you know, we're just, we're getting Zoom fatigued as well. And so we really wanted to make sure that this is not a Zoom-centric kind of meeting. So we'll have um, social events. We're doing section happy hours on Thursday. I mean, Aaron, do you remember the last time you met a new person? <laughs> uh, probably at, at ABT last year uh, was the last time I met a new teacher, at least. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to have these, you know, Zoom breakout rooms for the AP section, the two-year section, the bio club, and, you know, high school teachers. So that, you know, grab a drink, get into a Zoom room, and do a little networking. The difference between going into a Zoom breakout room with five people you don't know and... Um, walking up to a table and introducing yourself to five people you don't know is really, you know, it's not that different. But we want to have that social networking for people. So there's this live opportunity. But then the, for the first time, and I'm really proud of this, because the number one complaint about the NABT conference is people have a hard time choosing what sessions to go to. 
Yeah. You don't have to choose. You can go to all of them because they're all available to you on demand until February. So if you want to go to this session live and maybe check out this session during the winter break, you can do that. If you want to just listen and then go back and review all the resources, you know, around Thanksgiving, that's fine. If you want to watch a session while your kids are watching Elf for the 10th time, <laughs> we have that solution. And I'm really excited about this because it allows you to take part of that professional learning. I call it choose your own adventure. Do you remember those books? <laughs> I, I do. I have an age <laughs> that remembers those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's, you know, it's like, you get to figure it out. If you yeah. want to dedicate those two days and really sequester yourself and do the NABT experience, do it. But if you find that that's not where you're at this year, that's totally okay too. We have, we have another adventure for you. Yeah. And I think that that, especially with this year, as we've talked about with all of the various forms of hybrid and remote and the on-demand, I, I can very much see how a teacher who would want to engage and says, well, I can definitely do this Saturday, but I don't want to miss those things on Friday because I, I really need to be there for my students this particular year. Or sometimes people have other conflicts. Now that's going to be open. And not surprisingly, you answered my suite of all my questions without having even known them because um, I have this list that says organizations, social, how long available, all those things that you <laughs> you you ticked off almost like you, uh, and I didn't give you them in advance. And you're, it's, I give everybody the questions in advance, but I didn't give it to you because this kind of came together quickly. <laughs> no, no, because I'm, I'm really excited about this. And yeah. I, I mean, I know it doesn't feel like, like NABT, I, I recharge the same as everybody else. For four days in November, I have the best job in the entire world. And I, and so I get it. I, but you know, I'll take a virtual hug right now. I will yeah. take listening to somebody that I find incredibly interesting talk about their research and hearing the questions from my colleagues, I mean, that to me, that is not work. That's play. That's like a brain break. And I, you know, it's it seems to me like a little bit of self-care <laughs> that, oh, yeah. you know, and so like, take care of yourself. This is something that you you do for yourself. And um and I, and like I said, I'm really, I am excited about it because we're also workshopping a lot of stuff, um, pun totally intended, um, <laughs> is that we, we don't know how education and this kind of professional learning really does translate online. If it needs to be, you know, these big multi-hour webinars, or if we can do these small segments. And so this is a chance for us to really see what, what, translates well so that when NABT does convene in person, we can create a hybrid alternative for those people who can't join us on site so that they do get some of that learning as well. And so um, this is a this is an experiment for us as well. And um, as a biologist, but who never gets to do any biology, <laughs> I'm pretty excited to see how this works because this is this is something new that we're doing and it'll be good to see how the data plays out. Yeah. And, and on top of that, it's, it's doing it in a 
bit of emergency, bit of a stressful situation. And um, it I know from the back end, from the planning and, you know, uh, to go back a little bit, I am one of the people who reviewed the nearly 190 sessions that were <laughs> put in last spring. Um, and I went through all of those sessions and looked at them. Um, this is definitely not a normal situation to be trying to put together proposals because I am one of those people who put a video session together because myself and Paul Strode are are doing a session. And um, I told Paul I'd take care of all the audio and visuals of it. Um, so uh, it was not <laughs> a normal. Well, you know, it's I'm a I'm an, an audio video, video geek. So fortunately, you say, like, this is kind of how you recharge. So I can get lost in projects like that. But um, wasn't the smartest thing to agree to do <laughs> as I had piles of grading and planning and all that stuff. But the fact that teachers were able to pull some of these things together um, to get them ready in this situation with all of the demands on teachers, um, if we can do that now, uh, when we have the ability to really think about the diversity and suite of things that we can bring to a community where some of them will be pre-prepared and some of them will be things that can live on in a library for some amount of time, coupled with those in-person components. Um, you can see that this actually might sort of reinvent what it means to have a conference uh, in, in a lot of different ways. And again, adds equity and access, but also changes sort of the dynamic of the community and possibly in a really positive way. Oh yeah, and I want to I want to touch on one of the points you made. It is amazing that so many people took time out of their schedules and we're all overwhelmed. I mean, mm. there's some of us more so than others, but none of us are, you know, handling this well. Um the fact that people are taking this time to put these these presentations together for their colleagues so that they can share a really good idea tells you a lot about the values of our community hmm. and who we are and how we support each other. And that, I don't know about you, but just thinking about that gives me goosebumps. Yeah. And, and I was, you know, I was talking to my, my son actually just the other day, we were talking sort of about, cause he's been in a remote situation and I was talking about connecting with his friends and, and how he does that. And I said, yeah, me too. I said, I, I probably had more texts with uh, a group of teachers from around the country in the last six months than we had exchanged in the previous six years, but we have to have that connection to stay, you know, we stay connected as a community and we're used to coming to the read together and coming to NABT and doing all that. But we, we're committed to one another. We commiserate with one another. Um, but this is also our opportunity to both get earnest feedback about sort of where we are in our thought process and to share what we're excited about. And, and that, that's just unique as a professional who, you know, I love what I talk about with my teenagers, but it's just a whole different conversation when I get to do it with my colleagues who are in, you know, doing the same battle that I am trying to figure out this craziness of teaching. Right. And it's that reflection and how, and, you know, everybody comes back from an ABT and, you know, they're like, I'm so exhausted and I could not wait to get to my classroom on Monday. Mm -hmm. And if we can do that just even a little bit, if we can replicate that, then I feel like we have put a lot of, um, a lot of good learning and growth for our community out there in the, you know, in the world, because recharge teachers on Monday, November, what, that will be eighth um, yeah. night. 
that is a big deal and so i'm i'm willing to try yeah and we just got to get us like everything is just get us to that next break (laughs) just get us to thanksgiving that'll be there um and hopefully power us a little bit further so the last thing i was going to say is that um the you know Everything goes, let's, let's imagine that everything goes right for the next few months. Cause I know I live in a lot. Oh, <laughs> um, so the plan is that, 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 you know, 12 months from now, we're going to be looking at 2021 and that would be in Atlanta. And then hopefully maybe we're not doing virtual hugs. Maybe we're in a place where we are all going to be able to physically gather but we've also learned some new tools that we can add to the toolbox to make NABT 2021 something even grander. Yeah. I mean, I, I like this game, this looking ahead game. I mean, um, yeah, Atlanta, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking forward to some shoulder bumps. Um, you know, we might still be wearing some masks. Oh, yeah. um, we will, you know, have to look at the, the site that we're going to be at and see how many sessions we can fit uh, with proper social distancing measures. Um, the thing is, is NABT was started in 1938. This is not our community's first crisis, and it's not going to be our last. And um, even though we're online, I have a really deep sense of pride that we did not cancel our conference. And um, like, we're we're an evolution organization in every way. And so if this is what the evolution of NABT looks like, and um, you get that personal touch when you can, um, again, from a safe distance and only when it's safe and yeah. with consent. Um, <laughs> but if we can, if we can help support you on, in a virtual format, I'm really excited about that possibility as well. So this is, this year has been really an eye opener in so many ways. Um, there's still so much to do in the next couple of weeks, but I, I think people are going to be when, even when they walk into the virtual lobby, I think there's going to be a collective, ah, I'm at yeah. NABT. That's what we're going for. Yeah. And I will say that there's my positive thinking is like about 90% of wanting to hang out on Bob Coon's turf. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, we, we've got some friends in Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta got a, a, a space in my heart that I'm really like, I, I am, you know, going to get to Atlanta one way or another. <laughs> Yeah. I've had two trips to Baltimore that have been canceled in the last uh, <laughs> six months. I, I, I was... can't even think about all the trips that I've had canceled. <laughs> I have not been home this long since I was 22 <laughs> years old. And um, yeah, it's starting to, the, the dog is like, oh, I know you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, our, our our dog has had, had two boys home for, you know, nearly a year plus two parents for most of the time. And they, the dogs, I don't know if we ever get out of this, the dog is not going to know what to do with herself. I know. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to just travel with mine. <laughs> All right. Well, Jackie, I am so looking forward to getting to see you virtually. Uh, I'm sure I will be watching you through a screen and, and um, I, I, deeply appreciate all the work that you and and the whole NABT community has put together in order to make this thing possible. Um, I'm hoping to connect with a couple of the other teachers who are presenting so they'll share uh, what their sessions are going to look like. Uh, But I I couldn't thank you more for your work and also for joining me for this. Well, thank you, Erin. And thanks for all the work that you have done actually this year. I really do appreciate, you know, your services 
on the professional development committee reviewing all those sessions um, without knowing what was happening, having a session in the conference. I mean, I just, I put the ingredients together, but you all are the ones that actually create, you know, the diversity and the beauty and all the great stuff that's in ABT. And I could not do this without you and all the other people like you. So thank you so much. Uh, well, that, that's very nice. And I, you probably even mean that about Ryan Reardon too. So, yeah. uh, no, I, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, yeah. you all know, I don't pick too many favorites. <laughs> well, I, no. I know that Ryan, Ryan could not speak more highly of you. And Ryan's the reason that I'm part of those, that committee, you know, is, is that we are very much a community and um, bring together people from different perspectives in order to make this all work. So um, it will be a, it will be a, a chance for us all to celebrate. It will. And so I just, I look forward to seeing everybody there. All right, joining me now is old friend of the podcast, John Darko. Welcome, John. Hey, Aaron. How's it going? Pretty good. We actually saw each other this week for a rare, uh, rare occasion where I popped onto one of your uh, one of your video uh, workshops this week. Yeah, thanks for joining me. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was very cool um, to do that. I will tell you that that on that day, I literally got home from school, had a parent phone call, had a two hour workshop at Harvard, then had a separate podcast recording, and then I was like. Oh, I guess I'll just jump on John. So it was literally my fourth recording since, or fourth call since like leaving school that day. But I think that's 2020. So yeah, it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I like being on call. So that's that's good. It's uh, in my wheelhouse. So uh, we're here to talk about the NABT conference, which is going to be coming up really shortly. And you are part of two presentations. So before we do this, um, I, I guess maybe I'll give you a chance to introduce yourself if people are unaware uh, of your background. But but who is John Darko? Where do you teach? What's your what's your background? Great. Uh, yes, I am a biology teacher in rural Northwest Ohio. I've been, this is my 17th year teaching and I teach biology, anatomy and physiology, which uh, this year is uh, like a college course and then AP biology. And uh, my main forte is using uh, computational modeling with students and uh, using simulations with students. And so that's kind of where both of my pre presentations are uh, targeted towards, and both of them are with other people. So I, I, it was an exciting opportunity to work with uh, these two experts, and yeah. uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, it was. It, it definitely you got you pulled in the heavy hitters uh, for your background. But I mean, I can't really say anything different with me because <laughs> I'm doing a great about I'm doing a. Uh, a non grading or is like standards based grading presentation with Paul Strode. So I cannot, uh, <laughs> I cannot say that I'm not coming with a heavy hitter myself, but yeah, that'll be, <laughs> that, that'll be a great workshop. I'm excited for that one. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I, like every time I, it's kind of like every time I talk to you, I learn about simulations. Every time I talk to Paul, I learn about grading, no matter how much I already know about them. I never leave the conversation like not having gleaned some new insights and new information. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about both these presentations and both of your co-presenters who are uh, pretty amazing people. So let's let's go in order here. So your first uh, presentation uh, time-wise is going to be on Friday. Um, so it's at 2.30 to 3.30 and Correct. you're presenting with uh, Kirsten uh, Milks. Yes. Uh, uh, from... So Dr. Milks and I are going to be 
giving a presentation on workshop on teaching resilience and the biology of climate science using computer simulations. And our motivation for this is to try to show teachers that using simulations and data uh, is a great way to teach about this extremely, extremely important topic of climate change. And it's a nice way to have students work with the science of climate change in a way that they feel like when our, our hope is that when they're done using the simulations, that they feel like they can do something about it, that it's not just hopeless uh, and not something that is beyond them. But there are really, by manipulating simulations and looking at the results, that, that they have some power to do positive things. And mm -hmm. also that our, the, the, the resilience comes in because these systems are resilient. You know, uh, to change our climate uh, is really hard to do. And it seems like our earth is uh, able to buffer a lot of the pollutants and uh, carbon we're putting in the atmosphere. So it is resilient, uh, but we, we definitely are reaching thresholds. Yeah. And so I can imagine that with uh, Kirsten's work uh, from uh, some of her projects associated with climate change, coupled with your simulations and modelings, it really is bringing in together uh, both of your strengths um, into this, um, not to suggest that you don't have climate strengths and she doesn't have modeling strengths, but it definitely sure. is bringing people who have really are like powerfully uh, powerful advocates um, on these two separate things and bringing them into sort of one workshop um, to bring them together. And I was pinging lots of uh, science practices as you were, as you were describing it. <laughs> yes. Uh, and she goes through, Kirsten goes through like graph walks, which is I've never heard of before. Uh, and it's a great way to have students walk through a, a set of data and get them comfortable with it. And then I'll go through some simulations uh, like on algae blooms uh, that show students how we can change a, a system. And in, in this kind of virtual uh, online instruction that many of us are in or maybe moving towards, uh, it's a nice opportunity for students to, to work with real, you know, scientific practices of testing hypotheses and uh, communicating information, com communicating their findings to each other. Yeah, that's, uh, I, as I say, I, I'm thinking back of some of the things I've already done this year and, and how there'll be other opportunities to bring these concepts back. And as you mentioned, I think a lot of us are going to find ourselves uh, reaching into the toolbox to try to figure out how to present concepts in new ways. And I can imagine that um, if you haven't yet done photosynthesis, um, this might be another thing because it involves carbon cycle and that sort of thing that could bring in some real world application later on in the year where you might not have some of the natural tools that you would use, you know, if in a face to face environment or a face to face environment five days a week. Exactly. And with that, uh, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of AP biology teachers I, I see on the Facebook group will say like, oh, well, let's do ecology in the summer. Uh, and I, I think that's generally a, a mistake. And one of the 
takeaways I hope teachers get is that teaching about climate change can be accessible and it's super important for our students to not leave our classrooms without an understanding of uh, ecology and climate science because these are going to have uh, huge impacts throughout the throughout our uh, politics and world. Yeah, and again, from an AP biology world, you have to think for, in terms of uh, what leverages those six practices really heavily. And you've got your science practice two for modeling. Uh, I'm sure you have some question and some design science practice three. You have some presentation of data, which is your practice four. You probably have some statistical opportunities for prese uh, presentation or practice five. And then argumentation is practice six. So, I mean, like this is, you know, make them do a written explanation and you get hit all six using these models. Yes. Awesome. Definitely. So, <laughs> we might, we might've walked into, we might've accidentally walked into my wheelhouse. You uh, should have, yeah, you should have pitched it. Uh, you should have joined us because that, that was a perfect summation. Yeah. So, I mean, I can, I, I, I live and breathe in those six practices. That's sort of how my, that's my world uh, pretty heavily. So. Um, Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, so uh, going from one heavy hitter uh, giant in our field from from Dr. Milks to uh, your second presentation, you're going to do a second presentation on uh, Saturday, uh, November 11th from one to two. And this is going to have a little bit more of a modeling focus. So what's your second presentation? Good. So uh, Brad Williamson and I <laughs> will be doing a presentation creating computational models of dynamic biological systems. It's a mouthful. Uh, mm -hmm. Generally, what, what we're trying to do is show teachers that not just using models, and by models, we're talking about uh, computer models, but actually having students create models or see kind of the, uh, how the coding of the models is important and that there's real value in having students themselves use a model, computational model, modify a model, and create models themselves. And so I'll be using uh, what I generally use, which is uh, a type of modeling called system dynamics modeling. And mm -hmm. that's object-based, uh, but it is also very mathematical. And I'll show teachers just generally how I think about these system dynamics models and, and the value for using them in your classroom. And then Brad will be using uh, NetLogo, which mm -hmm. is a agent-based model, and how, again, how it's important for teachers to use these in, your, in their classroom. I think, use, I think creating computer models is very niche mm -hmm. uh, app pedagogy in science education right now. And our hope is to kind of make the pitch that we just need more teachers doing this. Uh, if there's yeah. more teachers actually doing this, we can learn from each other. And that's really what I would like. Uh, Brad's now retired, uh, but he's very active still. And we just need other teachers bouncing ideas off of each other and struggling through creating and using computational models in the classroom. Uh, and I just see huge, huge benefits in how students understand a certain process. 
by building a computer model versus just drawings. Yeah, I think it's I think it's intimidating. Um, and you know, as as both you and Brad, I've been having sort of I feel like I'm having an ongoing conversation with both of you that's been going on for gosh, you know, four or five years now, um, that this is not some an area that I have personally felt very comfortable. Like this is, you know, as I so often joke with you, you know, you you go through these things or Brad goes through these things and I see them and I, I, under, I now understand what you're talking about in terms of like the nature of how to set up a model and the tools have gotten so much easier. So like, you know, NetLogo is actually not that hard to deal with. Um, and I think, uh, was it the, in, you were showing an insight, insightmaker.com the other day, yes. um, in a different workshop, super easy. And then there's even simpler things like loopy, which is like just a Very really, good. really simple, like I, I think loopy, I, I have my kids play with that. So I think there's like different levels to come in and you don't need to really understand a ton of program to, to get your foot in the door. But for me, the, the thing that is sort of the nagging part of my head is that I want my students to be creators. Um, I want them building things. I want them making something. I don't want them taking a canned thing and just doing a thing that has right answers. I want them sort of getting messy. Um, usually I think about that in terms of like a lab science of designing a follow-up lab and doing something with that. But this is an area, particularly now that we're in a very digital space, a very remote space where I could see, you know, a kid or a group of kids playing around with these visual modeling systems and trying to see, can I what happens if we increase this part that goes in or decrease this part that comes out or change the parameters of how big the system can be in the middle. And um, I, I'm hopeful that lots of people try it and get a little bit outside their comfort zone. Cause I do think you're right. This is an area where uh, as teachers, in spite of everything that we're going through, uh, this is a space where we could all be a little braver and, and struggle a little bit more. Um, and, you know, <laughs> if, if there, there's never been a better year for experimenting and seeing how, if what things kids can come up with. Um, and these will be some tools that if you're thinking about that, this may be a way to see some of these ideas. That's right. Yeah. And really, uh, what I my, my main argument for computer modeling is in biology, it's it's a dynamic science. It's mm. it's not uh static so living things metabolism homeostasis growth reproduction these are all processes that change over time and i don't think textbook illustrations give us a great intuition about how these things work uh when they're disrupted and so this is i think where a lot of the power of computer modeling comes in is you can change these things and watch how they change over time and see how that jives with your intuition. So, yeah. And, you know, I think getting started with just having kids use models is, is a great start. Uh, because while they're, they might not be creating a model from scratch, they are creating an understanding of the model, right? And so just that uh, trying to understand what's happening in a model is, I think, uh, getting, getting started on the path towards becoming a modeler. 
Yeah. And I don't think it's a, I think the other piece that I, that I often, I think our first couple of conversations were like, what is a model? <laughs> I, think, I think that was like, honestly, a few years ago, that's, I think where a lot of us were in terms of like the, the NGSS was coming out and modeling was creeping into the AP standards. And I think a lot of us as teachers were, were coming to grips with what that definition was. And now that we've been doing a lot of models, like you're saying in paper, this is now another tool for modeling. And as you've used the word dynamic many times, this will be, these will are be dynamic. They're not just going to be static on the paper. They're going to do things. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm excited about it. I'm also excited to see um, how uh, you solved the, the like, the, the challenge of figuring out how to make the video. So I'm excited to see what everybody's like video solution was to this because we had to pre-record these. So for people yeah. who are attending, they like my presentation and with, you know, with Paul was done, you know, weeks ago. Um, it's already in the can. And in a lot of ways that you were saying before we got on to record that like it's it's relaxing. Like this is the, probably the most relaxed we've been going to NABT where there's a presentation because we kind of already have done it. Yeah, I think uh so we pre-recorded it and then i think this is where some of the value is is if you come to the session you can watch the recording and then brad and i or kirsten and i will be on to answer questions during it uh so in, in some respects it's nice because uh we can answer questions live versus mm -hmm. while we're talking but also now we have just created a uh a system of making the most distracted students ever, right? Because <laughs> while they should be listening to our video, they're going to be answer, uh, asking questions and us answering questions. So it's a, a tug and pull of quality content delivery. Yeah, but the videos will also live on the site for a while. So if people right. want to go back and revisit and go, I want to go back and revisit that sort of middle section where, you know, they walk mm -hmm. through how to set that thing up. Uh, I think particularly for yours, where you're going to be showing how to use these models or that sort of thing, having those available for a couple of months will be really helpful because I, I you know, totally agree. Yeah. Yes. And, and I think that, yeah, what you're saying, I, I also thought it was, I mean, it, it, I, I, you know, I'm a audiovisual nerd, so I had way, I had an immediate way how I thought I was going to solve the problem. And like everything else, I realized that I'm, that my solution was my solution and they gave us a lot of like sort of openness on how to do this thing. So I'm curious if my solution to the problem was maybe overly complicated or, you know, what other presentations are looking for, but I, I am really looking forward to both the live chat and the, the housing of these so that I could come back. And um, also I'm looking forward to the social stuff. We are, there are going to be zoom happy hours for different sections. There will be a movie night. Um, and I have a feeling that, uh, you know, maybe we'll have some informal uh, group get togethers uh, during those couple of days. I sure hope so. I, I yeah. that's my favorite part of the conference is the, talking with other biology teachers like you about uh, life, the world, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. The, I recently on my memories popped up that picture of the two of us in front of the bean in Chicago. So nice. on our, our morning yes. run. So we, we, won't, we won't have that. <laughs> yeah, we won't no, have we can't run together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I miss that. I, I always run with Desi at the AP read. And then, you know, I've been running with you or several other people. I almost have like a rotating, like, like running morning dates with everybody at an APT. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I miss, I'll miss that definitely, uh, but we'll definitely have some social time. So uh, thanks. And I, I look forward to seeing you. Awesome. See you, Aaron. All right. Well, next up, we are joined by Paul Strode. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Aaron. 
So uh, this is very uh, self-serving that I'm bringing you on because uh, we are presenting together. Uh, so uh, before we get into what our talk is about, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, you're not a stranger to the show, but uh, why don't you tell people who you are? You bet. So my name is Paul Strode, and I teach high school biology, anatomy, and physiology, and science research in Boulder, Colorado. And I do a little adjunct teaching at the University of Colorado this um, term. I'm teaching a class called Teaching and Learning Biology to 28 undergrads and grad students. Oh, is that is that like a method style course? Um, it is a there's yeah there definitely is some methods involved. Um, it's it's a class about how yeah how we how how students learn and um, and how to teach in ways that don't for example uh, reinforce misunderstandings. Um, we talk about the NGSS and um, especially for those that will be teaching at the the K twelve level um, and uh, you know we talk about. Um, the language of biology and 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 how to impart that on students uh, without you know blowing them out of the water and <laughs> just those kinds of things. This this session I'm preparing for tomorrow night um, is going to be uh, all about genetics and uh, the the humane genetics curriculum that I've been involved in with BSCS Science Learning and Brian Donovan. Neat. Yeah, yeah. You you wear a lot of hats, do a lot of projects, but. Um... It's really cool that you they have somebody such as yourself doing a methods focused course um, that's both steeped on like sort of the classroom pedagogy, but also deeply rooted in biology is that's very cool. Yeah. So so uh, on to our session. Um, so th honestly, this is uh, your session worked out uh, like you wrote out this proposal and then you decided to tack me on on the very end because we've been working sort of. Uh, collaboratively, collaboratively, where I would describe it as you've been doing this a while, and I've been pestering you to explain to me how to do what you do. Um, but well, you invited me to join you, and um, I was very uh, grateful. And so we are going to be presenting on uh, Friday, November sixth, at eleven a.m. between eleven a.m. and noon. These all all these times are Eastern, um, and the session's called "My Classes Are Pointless." So maybe uh, give a like a quick overview of sort of what your thought process was uh, when you made this proposal. Well, when I made the proposal, um, it was, of course, in the context of, of COVID and and heading into quarantine. And um, and in, in talking with my wife, who actually wrote the book on Pointless, um, you know, we realized that that this that we we didn't have to struggle with worrying about grading. And um, because there was a lot of conversations on social media and even within our own our own high school, our own uh, faculty, um, about what to do about student grades. And it, everybody was just wringing their hands and there was so much stress and how do we get students to do work? And she and I looked at each other and we shrugged our shoulders like, well, no problem. You know, we're already not using points and we're using a, a, a different way to get to the grade. And so it, it really didn't change anything for us. And so, um, so I thought, well, this is a, a great opportunity um, to to present this at NABT. Of course, I had no idea if that we'd still be most of us online at this point. Um, but uh, but um, Jackie Reese Pepin um, put out a, a, a suggestion for people making proposals to uh, to think about what what we could talk about in the context of of this new online world that we were all entering into. Um, 
And so I, th- I thought it would fit really well. And then, you know, I've always been fascinated, Aaron, with, with, with you and how you've, you've been, you know, curious and mm-hmm. cautious um, about, about the whole pointless system interested. Um, and, and I, I jumped in feet first, of course, <laughs> five, over five years ago. But, but I think it's what, what you have to offer is, is, is a way for, for teachers out there to think, how can I ease into it? Yeah. Um, which, which I think is, is far more easier to, for them to imagine than, than to do it like I did, um, which is to just go whole hog. Um, so so that, that's why I, I was interested in, in bringing you on to the, to the talk. Yeah, and I, it's funny that you say the the context of, uh, you know, last year and that sort of thing. And I will say that I did not struggle at all with my AP students because I already had, even though I wasn't whole hog, on this, um, I, I we we had adopted a lot of the language, and at that point, my students were familiar with the concept of doing work and getting feedback and doing revisions uh, because we had already introduced it to part of that course, and I switched for all of my students, even the students who I hadn't been doing that, my honor students who were in a, you know, more traditional, you know, points. And we used to do sort of buckets of scores. Uh, we were in more of a traditional grading system. I, I just started using the language that, that I used for a feedback system with my APs. I started using that with my honor students as well. Um, and so I, I started to broaden my experimentation, if you will. So I think that some of the things that I'll talk about are, you know, ways that I viewed the places to bring it in and experiment. And I also know that, you know, you're kind of a bit of an island. You sort of, you do your own thing, you teach, but um, you're not beholden to like, say, four colleagues who are have to have the exact same curriculum or, you know, a, a team of teachers who all have to do the same thing. You can collaborate and you do collaborate with others. Uh, but I think that the way I am, in my building, the expectations of having uh, commonality in grading, commonality in practice uh, at a given level is probably more common nowadays than sort of the do your own thing model of of, of curriculum design. Yeah, t- that's yeah true. Um, my my wife is more more on a team right now, and 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 there are several of them. They actually they started out with the whole pointless thing, um, maybe six or seven years ago. Mm-hmm. But, um, but when I started it, I was team teaching, uh, a first year advanced course called pre IV biology with, um, three others. And, mm-hmm. um, and I talked them into trying it. Um, <laughs> but, but it, it, it didn't go well, um, for them. And I, and I think that one reason is that, um, that they were still, still focused on holding students accountable mm-hmm. and um and we can you know that 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 just creates a power struggle uh, with students and you know the the we we need to 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 bring them into the philosophy of uh, here's the work i've asked you to do um that that is meaningful and relevant to learning and understanding this material now it's up to you to, to do the work and and uh, and then and show me your your best, um, but but you're not you're not dangling points in front of them. There's no culture of exchange as as we'll as we 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 will talk about in our our uh, our session. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I will say that with me, what I've done is I've brought in, um, I often think of it a little bit sort of Trojan horse, like I, I've convinced people to adopt sort of part of this and say, mm-hmm. why don't we use this or why don't we try this? And we tried in this area and, you know, parts of the course. Um, I will say there are major advantages to doing it sort of the way you did, jumping in both feet. Um, you know, there's a, a, a clarity of philosophy associated with doing it the way you did it, where like the course is driven in this case. And I will say when you kind of go part way, as I've done this year with one of my classes, with my honors classes, uh, you do find that there are these conflict points where um, the students are used to a points-based system. They're used to a points-based economy. Um, What you're doing is different than others, um, as are your colleagues, as you mentioned. And that you'll you'll find a lot of tension points about your curriculum like you know where were you dangling points you might have always said oh i i, I was student-centered i i didn't use points in a you know a a, a coercive manner um but if you kind of dip your toe in you will quickly realize um some of the unintended ways you communicate about grades to students and what the what the importance of a grade is and what it means when you get into that sort of middle ground um so yeah, hopefully the 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 sort of the the endpoint and the 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 bridging points will be interesting, and I will say it's quite relaxing having had the um, having had the recording done, and we don't have to prepare anything to do our talk. You're not going to be in your hotel room the night before polishing a slide deck because, um, as you sometimes have been known to do. Uh, <laughs> well, no, we I I got I just got to call out our our good buddy Ryan Reardon here. <laughs> the Ryan and I, I love Ryan. He's just, he's so, he's such a passionate teacher. And, and he and I were, were giving a talk together. And, um, and I thought that I was preparing at the last minute, but, um, you know, I, I, we were sharing a room and I left the room with him still in his undershirt, working on his slides. We had like 10 minutes before our, our talk. And, and, uh, and I said, I'm going to go get coffee and, and pastries. What do you want? And, and, uh, and are you going to be there? He said, I'll be there. I'll be there. So, and he was there. He showed it. He was there on time. And, uh, and we, we had a great time. We get a great, great talk, but, um, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. It's, it, this is a really nice way to, to, to do a, a presentation is to have it all ready to go and just, you know, basically hit play and then, uh, and then listen and, and, and respond on chat and, and whatever else interface they have for us, um, as, as the participants, attendees ask questions. Um, I think it's going to be really fun. Yeah. And I think you, you get a, I think a personality difference be- between the two, between, and I love Ryan too. And Ryan's awesome and he does amazing presentations. But uh, I think that uh, my anal retentive attention to detail, uh, Paul got to see, Paul got to, got to see a contrast between me and Reardon uh, in terms of how nitpicky I was about things when we went into the presentation. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, I am, I'm detail oriented. So, uh, that's great. But yeah, I'm, I'm actually really proud of what we, we pulled together, um, from both the, uh, content that you, you, you drove through the, the presentation and, um, our discussion. And, um, I I just, I was really happy with how the whole thing came together. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing other people's reactions and generally I'm looking forward to the conference. I'm looking forward to, uh, this new way of doing things. And, um, even though we are in a grind of a year this year, um, hopefully what we have to present will help people, um, in that refresh and rethink, maybe find some ways to, 
you know, reimagine some of the things that they're doing and maybe lower a little bit of stress both for them and their students as they move forward through whatever it is the remainder of this year and and likely beyond, because um, this is going to have some tendrils that I have a feeling is going to extend beyond this school year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so maybe we'll maybe we'll uh, there'll be some positive legacies from this that that the reflection that we're doing around around grades and you know helped by this presentation will help people you know really get to a better place when we can return to whatever normal looks like you know a year from now or so. Yeah, I you know I'm as as you, as I think about uh, this this online model for conferences, um, you know I'm, I'm sure people listening have all attended at least one online conference since, uh, since March, April. And, um, and it's, I, I think it's giving us an opportunity to rethink the way we do conferences. It's, it's certainly great to be live, but, um, I was just part of a, a, a meeting these last three days called life discovery run by the ecological society of America. And, and we were supposed to have it in Estes park, Colorado. And, um, and Estes park was evacuated on Friday due to, um, forest fires. And so we would have been evacuated in the middle of our conference, but yet here we were online having the conference, you know, perfectly safe and um, everybody in their, in their, in their homes. Um, it was, it was synchronous. So, um, so NABT will be different um, with, with these asynchronous talks, but, um, but it went really well. So, yeah. Yeah. And especially when you get into biology and ecology stuff, uh, you know, the, the one thing that always drives me crazy as much as I love getting together is uh, the the carbon footprint of these conferences are yeah. is pretty big, um, and if we can find ways to, you know, it'd be great to find a way to mitigate it, get together in per, you know, person. But uh, the truth is, is that the carbon footprint of this conference is going to be a heck of a lot smaller than any conference we've ever had before. That is true. I wonder if if there's a way for for there to be many sites across the country where we get together for you know, all at the same time. Yeah. And, and so we're we're in, in smaller groups, but we're 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 interacting with with each other in the group, but then we're interacting with the the main conference, which is happening um, virtually. That that might be an interesting model to think about. Yeah, well, it's gonna it's gonna be exciting, as I said. And plus, we we will definitely will have to have a, a couple of social uh, evenings uh, as well. Oh yeah. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the the calendar. I've barely had a chance to peek at it, but um, I the stuff I've seen in the the events is is exciting and as much as i love the the course content and the the thinking about it um, which again i love the fact that i'm able to reflect back and revisit these for months to come um, because these sessions will be open for a couple of months uh, i do like the social piece so i definitely hope we get some of those uh you know evening we'll have a couple of evening uh happy hours to check in with each other and and say hi yes all right well thanks paul see all right you see you soon. Yeah, enjoy it. All right. Well, next up, we're joined by regular Life of the School panelist, Tanea Hebler. Welcome, Tanea. Hi, how are you doing? Pretty good. So um, I, I'm hoping that everybody listens to the show regularly, but we're going to put this out as an NABT preview. So everyone might not know who you are. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where do you teach? What's your What's your teaching situation? Well, I teach in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm currently teaching AP Biology and Honors Biology at Brophy College Preparatory. It's uh, in central Phoenix. It's an all-boys Jesuit Catholic high school. 
All right. So, and as I mentioned before, you have joined the panel of Life of the School this year. So you were one of our, uh, one of the four regulars. So if you uh, are interested in uh, the last couple and actually for the next few months, you're going to hear uh, lots about Tanea's uh, perspective and what the pandemic has been like for her, <laughs> along with myself yeah. and Lee and Matt and Ryan. So uh, we're all trying to survive, aren't we? Yeah, I wonder as the numbers have been spiking in Massachusetts and we've actually recorded our next couple of episodes, I I wonder how how evergreen they're going to be. Um, <laughs> I, I have a feeling that the, by the time those things come out, the, the situation for schools may be quite different. So, all right, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about NABT. So I've talked to some other folks um, and you are presenting on Saturday, November 7th uh, from 2.30 to 3.30. Uh, I see that it's called is one lesson enough race in the biology classroom? Uh, so what what are gonna, what am I going to see in this particular session if I attend this one hour session? It, is it an active session? Is it uh, lots of exemplars? What kind of things do we have going on in this? So I it's not a live session, so I was mm-hmm. I had to record. Mm-hmm. So I have a recording that's probably about twenty twenty five minutes or so, and then I've requested that after the recording that I have a Zoom session so that we can engage, uh, any teachers who are present can engage in dialogue. Basically, when I went to NABT two years ago, I think it was two years ago now, Mm -hmm. I had gone to a session about uh, race and biology and someone who was doing research about how lessons um, impact students, they presented. And uh, I thought, gosh, this is something that I want to try but I was really a little, uh, and it's something I maybe started thinking about on my own, but I was intimidated. And I was intimidated for a lot of reasons because people weren't like openly talking about this in my school where we were collaborating and talking about how can we build this into our curriculum. And then um, I'm, I, was, I am the only black female faculty at my school at a predominantly white institution. And so I didn't know what the reaction would be if I started talking about race in my classroom. But um, when I went to NABT last year, um, so I, I, I tried a little a lesson here or there, and I, I was dipping into things on my own with not a lot of confidence. But last year when I went to NABT, I went to the I Ember session, which was on the last day. It was probably the, like the last session on the last day. It was like a three-hour <laughs> maybe session that I went to before I got on an airplane and flew back to Arizona. And basically it was um, a lot of university uh, researchers or professors or community college professors and a few high school teachers. And they were talking about, you know, how to, how to make a, a collaborative research team on making biology more inclusive. And so I met some other high school teachers at that session and we started talking about collaborating and sharing lessons, what we could do with our students. And so instead of me just being on my own and mm. testing out a lesson here or there and not knowing, like, was this really successful? I had someone else at this point um, to talk to. And so I decided to implement some um, lessons. And so I want to talk about that experience in my session, like what happened throughout that whole year and then how did it influence me? What did I learn um, from my students? And um, how am I going to take this from this point forward? And how is it informing how I teach in my classroom? 
Yeah. And we, we've brought this up, the, this concept. I think we will actually have a longer episode or a couple of episode arc where we, we talk about, you know, the, the place of inclusion and maybe the built in uh, racial bias that's sort of baked into some of the things that we teach. Not that it's, you know, intentional, it's, it's structural. It's one of those things where uh, the way we look at certain examples in our biology classroom, uh, we need to be more mindful about what we do. And I know that we've had some, some little conversations, but um, I, I think back to the last couple of years and I can imagine what it was like to roll these things out last year. But uh, since the end of last year, since the killing of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and I know that at my school, you know, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion is a major theme. And I know that you've said that at your school, it's been something that people have been more open to. So it sounds like this is going to be an opportunity. We're at a moment of opportunity to have more discussions and move curriculum now that we're in this moment. Definitely. Uh, my school is, they've made a commitment to becoming anti-racist. And I'm really excited about that. Um, don't, you know, I'm, I am, I've made myself available to be on the equity and inclusion committee for like the last, I guess, four years or so. And I've also, I'm on a strategic planning committee to help out with um, moving that process forward. And, but, you know, I think we're, at the level of like um, coming from the president and the administrators, they have to make decisions. But I think that teachers also have to make their own personal decisions within their classroom. Mm. Uh, and I think together, if we all individually are saying, reflecting on our practices, and we're saying, I'm going to move forward in this direction. And, and I'm also doing training that my school's offering and I'm thinking about, and, and the school's thinking about the curriculum at a, a school-wide level, I think then there, there is hope that the, the, the policies and practices that we have that have historically marginalized um, particular groups of students, especially uh, black students, indigenous students, uh, Hispanic students, that, that we can change that. And then mm -hmm. that in doing so, it uplifts the education for everybody as a whole. Yeah. And the other thing that you brought up that it gave me flashes to conversations that I've, I've had and, you know, as a, a, a you know, white educator um, and having talked to uh, non-white educators, uh, your description of being, you know, on the committee and being the only black female faculty member, uh, I know that it's often the lift of the student, the non-white faculty members to be the diversity and equity and inclusion people. Uh, and at the moment, it feels like allies are are ready um, and so that it shouldn't be the lift of the non-white faculty to represent all of this curricular shift. So uh, I hope that this is a moment where inclusivity means that allies get involved. They reflect on sort of their position as white educators in this space and how do they help in the diversity, equity, inclusion space. And because you've got, uh, compared to my video pre-recorded, which is 46, 47 minutes long, uh, <laughs> you, you, yeah, with like 12 minutes at the end of conversation, uh, you've, you've provided a lot of open space for that, those dialogue and discussions. And I know those are often, uh, you know, challenging uh, especially in a, in a room where people don't know each other. But I hope because everybody's been doing a lot of work over the last, you know, six months or so, um, if not longer, that people would be ready to join in on that conversation. Yeah, it's going to be a safe space for us to share and learn and grow from each other. And I think 
if we if we can do that at the conference and model that at the conference, we can bring that back to our institutions. And um, the allies are out there. I know they're out there, and everyone's working really hard. Um, and so, and I, like I said, I think I think we can do the work together. And even though I know that it doesn't have to be all on like people of color to do the work, I I still feel like if I don't go to those meetings, then my perspective is often unique at the institution mm. where I currently work. So I squeeze in the time and I make it happen because I want to make sure that my voice is, is part of those discussions. Um, and it's unfortunate that we're not as diverse as we could be because I feel like if I don't come to the meeting, then there's, there is a, a huge perspective that's missing. And I, I hope we get to the point where I don't feel like I have to be the one that's always there. Um, yeah. I think you asked that in a, um, I want to say it was a couple of years ago at an ABT where we, we met um, and we were in the, we were in a few different workshops together, but I want to say we were in the AP and, and you asked specifically that they had asked about, uh, you know, improving equity for students. And you were, you asked the question about equity for teachers, you know, uh, non-white teachers, like how is college board working on that? And I don't know that they had a great answer, um, but the faculty, you know, the teachers who were in that room to talk about AP biology was mostly a white space. Um, so I think that having people who are white in those rooms are often the same people who are going to be on hiring committees at their individual institutions, along with yes. doing the work in their classrooms. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to have your privilege called out. <laughs> and, and I know that personally, that was, that it was a resonating moment for me, um, as somebody to go, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that was because you brought your perspective to that room and it was a perspective I couldn't have brought at that time. So um, I, I 100% hear you because I've been in the room when you've done that very thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the person who always gets stands up at like these sessions and I ask questions like I think I even stood up last year in Chicago. I was really disappointed. Like I thought, oh, we're in Chicago. It's a big city. There's lots of black people here. So there's going to be a lot of black biology teachers. And that's not what I saw when I got there. And I was really disappointed. And so I, I believe I stood up and I, I might ask one or two questions um, there and at the one in San Diego. But I know that the um, I know that NABT was very responsive and they said that they are they're working uh, really hard to try to to make our organization be one that is um, creating space for and, and being more inclusive and and more diverse. So I'm it's unfortunate that we're not going to be in person in Baltimore, but mm -hmm. I think maybe in a, a year, the year after that next year, I think we'll be in Atlanta. And mm -hmm. I, I hope I see that the work that people are doing currently, I hope I see that it's reflected in who, who is coming and who's at the sessions in Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, you, you do point out that that's three, that's three cities in a row that have, you know, fairly substantial black populations. And you would imagine there are a number of black teachers in Chicago, in Baltimore, in Atlanta. Um, and yeah, we could hope that, you know, with that in mind, and if that is really a drive that, that we will see a more diverse community when we get to be in, in person. And even if it's not in person, even if it's still like a hybrid conference a year from now, um, the presenters who are presenting, um, I hope we start to see a shift in people who are taking on those mantles. So even if it's, you know, 
through video conferences or through chats or something like that, hopefully, again, we start to see the the conversion over to uh, more diversity within the community in those rooms, uh, no matter what kind of rooms they are, virtual or otherwise. Yes, <laughs> I hope yeah. so. All right. Well, you've also uh, primed me, so I, I definitely will be showing up at your session live because I, uh, again, it's work I'm doing, but also um, I'm going to make a whole bunch of cheat notes for our upcoming uh, Life of the School episodes that we're going to record <laughs> okay. for, Dece for December, January, because we have it on our to-do list that we're going to we're going to start tackling that uh, that topic uh, in the next couple of months. I know that it's on our it's on our to-do list. We've got some initial notes down, so um, I hope that for us, you know, uh, in our little mini community that we have these conversations, this will be sort of the primer and start of uh, our conversations as we start to think about what this means. Um, and, you know, we have a, a relatively diverse little group, um, myself, yeah, we do. Ex myself excluded from, the, <laughs> from the, the diversity, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of the representative of, uh, you know, middle-class white privilege, uh, in the room. But I, I do think that from a diversity of different types of classrooms that we work with, and I know that a lot of my students are, you know, Asian and, um, you know, both South Asian and, uh, East Asian, in, in my room and that not all, not all my students look like me. So even if we're talking about diversity and equity and having students be able to see their themselves in the work that they're doing or in the subject area that they're studying, um, that applies really broadly. Um, even yes. if, even if you're not working with uh, a predominantly black population of students, it can be true in a lot of different settings. So, um, Important work, and I'm excited to get to, get to it. So uh, I was going to also say, I, I'm sure you're going to get roped into a couple of other sessions uh, <laughs> to help out. Has anyone dragged you in, or do you think you're going to be have a couple others where you think you might be, uh, you know, helping out along along the lines? Well, I'm I'm attending. I have to be. I have to attend some uh, HHMI sessions, mm -hmm. um, and I'm looking forward to that. Those professional development um, conversations that I have with other teachers that are part part of the the biointeractive community, but I also um, am going to be, I hope that I can help um, plan the iEmber. Um, I know that they're going to be hosting a session and they are the organization that kind of propelled me to, to, to weave the discussion of race throughout my curriculum for the year. And they provided the platform for me to be able to find other teachers to collaborate with. So I want to give back and I want to help them to plan the session that they're going to be hosting at NABT um, this year. And I, I just want to continue to be a part of that organization because it provides an um, ability for me to engage with people at different levels of biology education. And I think I have a lot to learn and I, I can learn about research as well. And uh, But I also can bring the perspective of a high school uh, teacher, which is not... Um, necessarily the voice that you see as much in those sessions. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that as well. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. You have, uh, I, I know that you already presented uh, at another workshop this weekend and you wear 9,000 hats um, and are wrangling wildlife uh, and <laughs> doing everything else <laughs> under the sun. So uh, I appreciate your time and I look forward to uh, your session and seeing you virtually uh, at NABT in a couple weeks. Yeah, I'm going to come to your session too. I, I just did a session today about grading and I'm so excited to come to your session and talk with you more about um, grading. Yeah, I think that's going to be fun.
All right. Well, that is our NABT preview. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you come to NABT in our first virtual conference that we're going to be having. Uh, critics for this show, uh, you can come to patreon.com slash lots and support the work that we do. Uh, you can also go to lifeofthisschool.org and see show notes along with show notes on the patreon.com slash lots site. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Matthew Tweets or at Life of the School. Music on this and every episode is provided by Jake Jenkins and X Magicians. And uh, please subscribe to this show on your podcast player of choice. So I hope you enjoy NABT and I will see hopefully all of you virtually at the conference. <laughs>